Welcome to Mountain Mama's Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mama's, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken and I'm driving solo today. Debbie had to be excused this episode. But we have Erin back for our third part of the Everspace Camp 2004 trek. Anyway, we last left you with Hunt. One of our um, hiking, trekking mates was up in, had got haste, high altitude cerebral edema, and was um, at Fak Ding, uh, or Ding Boucher, in the Gamau bag. Um, so he spent some time there because he had been at high altitude and was just... Um, had gone, his body just had not reacted well to altitude. And if you stay at um, Everest Base Camp too long, or up at high altitude too long, you can get really sick, and it can be nearly fatal. So, Erin, do you want to share with the audience what had happened? And I, I just remember being kind of confused. Like, um, I think it was his 40th birthday even that day, mm-hmm. and it just kind of hit home um, you know that that we're just kind of at the mercy of Mother Nature. It could this could have happened to any one of us on on our team, um, at any time, and you know, it was just really humbling. I think we, you know, the helicopter came. We saw the helicopter come in and pick him up, and and he flew out, and we're just like, well, we don't we don't know what's going to happen to him now. Right. Like we hope he's going to get better, but we have no idea if this is just the beginning of more stuff for him. Yeah. So, you know, it was eerie. Who knows how long he'd been suffering like that? You know, how much, if any kind of damage had gone on during that time? Uh, you know, so we're trying to sit, eat at breakfast and um, get some fuel in our bodies for our long day of hiking and, and just knowing that Hunt was not going to be with us. Yeah, it was pretty sobering. Any other thoughts at Elevation? I didn't have many thoughts. I mean, we were acting like doofuses the night before. So, <laughs> so you got to understand, like, you start getting hypoxic, which means low oxygen levels the higher you go. And sometimes you are, like, normal is above 90%. We easily could have been functioning at 80%. And at that point, you're you're slowly losing brain cells. It's just what happens. So the next day, we stayed there. Um, for that next day, we had a rest day, luckily. And then um, we started heading up. And this is then when we got into the high elevation. Um, what do you remember about that next day? Um, so it was harder and harder to find convenient places to go to the bathroom. Because <laughs> we were trying to leak. Because you can push off altitude sickness with water. Hydration is one of the best ways. And we were drinking like four liters of... We were trying to do so much. four liters of water a day, which is hard. We had We had a map of the trail. <laughs> and we I have would, the map. We I totally have it. Put an X on the map to mark our progress along the trail, but the X wasn't where we necessarily where we were. It was where we found a good place to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it became harder and harder because we were now above tree line, and even the large boulder fields were becoming less and less. Yeah, those boulders were heavily used, for sure. I remember coming up this huge hill, um, and it was just all rock. It was these rock monuments. Do you remember, like, Cairns? Stacks of stones for the people that had passed away on Mount Everest. And it was very sobering, and we were there in the mist, too. In the early, like, it was early morning. 
And I remember thinking, and we just had Hunt that had just been hella backed out. And like, it was just kind of a heavy, heavy morning that day. I remember. Yeah, lots of prayer flags and lots of those yeah. yellow, um, sh- what are they, shawls yeah. or something, the holy shawls. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's like the light yellow silk shawls, yeah. To, to see that there was a, a rock pile for, for each person who had perished up there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then to walk through that area. And it, and it wasn't just like, oh, there's a couple here and there. It was a large area. Mm-hmm. And and you think, well, what am what am I doing? Is this yeah. worth it? Like this is this is amazing and incredible just to be this far. But and we're just doing the hike to the bottom of this adventure that all these other people are. And then we made our way to um, Lobouche, which is our high camp before the highest part we would hit the next day, which was Kalapatar. So Kalapatar is that pile of dung. It looks like a pile of brown rocks. And at the top of um, Kalapatar, it's the highest point of the trek oh, oh, that's the at 18,000 yeah. feet, for 18,400 feet. So the reason why you do this side trip before you get to base camp is because you cannot see the summit of Everest from base camp because it's so high. So you hike the side mountain, and from that summit, you can see um, the summit of Mount Everest. But it was brutal. I remember you're, the altitude was so high. I remember being sick, nauseous. We had run out of water. Yeah, we did not bring enough water on that trip that day. We didn't, like our whole group ran Mm -hmm. out of water. We didn't have a whole lot. Yeah. And so you're doing this switch back up this, I mean, it's kind of like um, a lava pile, but not lava rock, just like exposed rock. Uh, But it's dark like that. And it's, you know, baking in the sun next to the, you know, all the snow glaciers that are reflecting around you. And, you know, you're your head feels like it's going to explode because you haven't had water for so long. And I just wanted to get to the top of Kalapatar that I I left Emily behind because I just had, I just had to get it over with. Um, And I remember thinking at one point I'm halfway between the fastest people and Emily and I have no water. Emily has water and the fastest people have water. So do I wait for Emily or do I just keep plowing ahead? And I just wanted to get over with, so I just kept going. And I think they shared a little bit of water, but, it, you know, things take so much longer to boil up there at that high elevation. Um, so it was taking our porters a, lo- a lot longer. I mean, they've got to feed them and water themselves and us. Yeah. And cool water and you know so it just takes a a lot of a lot of time yeah it was hard what was it like getting to the top like when you were at the summit I remember we had worn special clothing for the summit of Kalapatar with Binoy Tamang the leader of the trip the three of us with his endorsement (laughs) with his endorsement what did we wear we wore swimsuits (laughs) under our clothes under our clothes so that we could get to the top of Kalapatar Strip down to our swimsuits and have our picture taken <laughs> with Everest as the backdrop. <laughs> yeah. And it was absolutely frigid cold. It was epic. I don't think I looked that good, but the picture, it's, I mean, I feel like the, <laughs> it was an epic picture. For sure. And then you've got all those beautiful prayer flags everywhere. It was great. And then to have my dad there, we had some 
a moment and you could see the summit of Everest, the wind whipping off the top of it. And just knowing that there were like people going to be there. Like you go up in April to get to base camp and then May is usually their summit window only because Everest is so tall that it sticks up into the jet stream most of the year. And then just a couple times a year um, in May and October, well, November, the jet stream moves. And so you can kind of run up really quick and summit and then get down before getting blown off the mountain into China. So it's intense. So we could see that wind all the way from where we were. And then the next day was our... So we, we went, we camped at Gorkship. Yep, Gorkship. Yep. And I remember you were feeling just like <clears throat> super weak. Yeah. Trying to trying to rest, trying to sleep, and it was just like miserable for you. Um, the next morning we set off to cross the glacier and get to the base camp of Mount Everest. <laughs> final destination, our final one of that trip. And it was super, super cold morning, walking in the shadows on the ice between these mountainous peaks. I'd never been so cold in all my life. And I learned a trick from the Sherpas. They said, if you go to the bathroom. Or the porters, yeah. Yeah, you will be warmer because your body is not sending heat to that area of your body to keep to keep your urine warm. So if you get rid of it, that body heat can go elsewhere. I never knew that trick. Really? I know. All the this whole time. I know. My goodness. That's where I learned it. And and it did help. So we're, you know, we're crossing the glaciers that's sprinkled with rock fall. And you never know if you're gonna if you're crossing over a snow bridge or a, you know, mm-hmm. an, an ice bridge bridge or or if this is actually solid rock and you know every every so often you'll hear rock fall and coming down because you're in kind of this cirque you're surrounded by all these huge peaks and by now we're way past plants there's no plants it's just rock and snow nothing do you remember that russian plane we passed right after it was dark the helicopter right yeah the helicopter that's right yeah there was a, a rescue helicopter that had come up years Years before to help in an evacuation, and it it had crashed itself in a most miserable way. And, of course, it's so high up there, there's there's no way to remove it. Yeah. So it just stands as this sentinel as you're, as you're walking by. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thinking yet again, you know, what, what, am I, what am I doing here? Why am I, is this worth it? Yeah. It was pretty intimidating. And then you get to, so we get into camp. After you pass this rocky ice field, and it just looks like a potpourri of color in this rock field of people from all over the world in this little tent city. And they've got their prayer flags out and their country flags out. And I was super, my one goal, my one souvenir I wanted from base camp was an oxygen canister, which I didn't think was going to be that big of a deal. They bring them up all the time. They use them. Who wants to carry them down? And so my thought was like, let's go find an American team. And we'll ask them about their oxygen canister. And so we did. And he was so upset. Because <laughs> he was like, that's what it used to be like. But we work super hard now. And the porters are always taking them down. And then we have this program that they get money and all this sort of stuff. And he was, he's like, there's nothing here for you. Like, there's no used can. I was so, I was so deflated. <laughs> I think we grabbed some rocks. Um, 
I think I still have all those rocks. And then my dad went over to the Kumbu, like that was the coolest thing. You could not step on the Kumbu Glacier. It just towered above you, almost felt like a 45 degree angle of these ice blocks and ice cracks and crevasses. Um, it's essentially the most dangerous part of the summit to Everest, but you can't step on it unless you have one of these like $50,000 permits to climb. So and what is, wish. and a death wish. And my, the first thing I remember, I wa we were looking at it, you and I were admiring it. And then who do we see running up there? But my dad, <laughs> who has like no fear. Oh my gosh, dad, you are amazing. And he's just like, he, and he didn't get too far out. Like there were some people out there already. So he would like kind of hang out, like ran on just like, like ran up there and talked to the climbers. And he was just like a little boy, so excited. And I have to do a shout out, Dad, because we didn't share too much about you and your experience. But he was a stalwart, strong, tough guy doing his homework for school all the way up there. He was studying French, wasn't it? French. <laughs> he was just amazing. And running off and doing side trips when we had rest days. And he was epic. But but anyway, and then Aaron and I, we kind of skirted up there to the Kumu Glacier and like just kind of touched the edge. But it was humbling to be there. And didn't think that like the Everest mortality rate was one in four. And to look at this tent city and think like one in four of these people, like a lot of these people aren't going to make it home this year, you know. And that was sobering for me. I don't know. Any of your thoughts? Yeah, it was, it was really fun to be, you know, around those professional climbers, people of of a lot more experience and knowledge um, and just, you know, just feel of their energy and excitement to be there, to, to climb this massive mountain, um, this icon in our solar system. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just really cool for me um, to be, to be around that and, and to think, man, I made it. I didn't have to be hella backed out. You know, I, um, I'm still in one piece and I can have, I'll have this memory with me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Because my body brought me here. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty. Those, your two feet brought you all the way down. And then we made our way down. Yeah. Are you ready to talk oh, about down? Or? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. It took maybe two, no, eight days. Eight Something days, like that, yeah. Eight days to climb up. Uh-huh. Um, and then about three or four. To get down. Days to and that's down. typical for high elevation, yeah. So you can just scream down as fast as you want, which was like, finally. That's Erin's cup of tea. Oh, my word. She loves to go down. Um, but at the same time, I, I, you know, it's that, it's that Christmas is over. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, the bittersweet moment that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to miss anything. Um, but having gone 13 days without a shower, I was kind of excited <laughs> to... Our wet to wipe bath a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I did want to just touch on some of the foods that we ate. Um, a lot of curry and rice and hard boiled eggs. Um, it was interesting to me that that we would sit down at the table and we'd be served the food, and they'd always start with the oldest woman. Ah. The oldest woman would get the first um, plate of food, and then they'd. And and they wouldn't know our ages, but you know they they were pretty good at at guessing. Mm -hmm. I felt um, so. I was always the last one to eat. <laughs> and I remember okay. like we get like a cup of tea in the morning, like tea or cocoa is what they would say because they're always trying to hydrate you. 
And we get lots of soups as snacks because mm-hmm. they're just trying to pump water into you. And that was, can I share the sickness part? Like That's all you. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, after a while, I got tired of the Nepali food. And I just couldn't eat it anymore. And and it was fantastic food, but... You just lose your appetite and your body's stressed. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just part of elevation. And then I also think I got sick from the kum- yeah all the yak dung that I think my camelback mouthpiece had fallen into from my backpack every time I'd set it down. And I think I got some nasty bug. And it was right around a base camp. And I remember after, it was like my mental, after I got back from base camp, I was done. My body and and mind were done. And I just got so sick. I stopped eating. I stopped drinking. And you can imagine after a day or two of that, like your body is just hammered. And so I remember we were um, hiking down and we got back to that middle first aid station city village. And um, the first aid people checked me out. These awesome nurses from Canada. And it's the whole reason I became a nurse from these people. And they were just like, you've just got some gut bug. And I was literally having diarrhea so bad constantly. Couldn't keep fluids in. Everything was coming out. It was just a total misery. And um, and they gave me some meds and tried to slow stuff down. And then we continued to hike down to the Edmund Hillary. We did a side trip back, a different way back, through the Edmund Hillary. It was like a school. And they had like a bakery or something. Anyway, it was like a nice, beautiful place. But I remember being wretchedly sick. And then we got close to our last day, and the school was beautiful. It was very cool. I'm sure you enjoyed it. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but I remember that last day, um, my dad was like, you have, you are too weak to get out. Like, I couldn't walk myself anymore. And so my dad went into the village and rented a horse for $50, and I was horse evac'd. Like, just like that first lady I saw on that first day, and I was like, she can't be that sick. And... Um, he loaded me up on this cute 16-year-old boy and just ran me back to Luca, Lukla. And I was just a miserable state. It was just awful. Yeah. How was it for you on your last day? I remember you were a lot more chipper. Well, I, I remember taking your backpack for you when you got up on the horse and thinking, um, I, need, I need to stay up with that horse because I need to make sure that you're okay, that you don't... Um, go somewhere mentally, you know, like you've gone physically and you need to make Aww. sure you're okay. Um, it was really hard. As fast as I hike, it was really hard to keep up with that horse. Yeah, he was running fast up and down those stone steps and everything. And we ended up going back to Kathmandu and I was in the hospital. Like, I wasn't in the hospital. I remember going to a clinic and getting tested and everything came back negative and I, my body didn't recover for two months after that. And they never found out what it was. <laughs> but that's just the joy, I don't know, of trekking in third world countries and life and being dumb. I was so dumb. But I don't know, what's your take home thoughts on base camp? And Yeah, just um, the, the things that you can see in, in the Himalayas aren't much different from what you can see in our mountains or any mountains in the world. Sure, the the flora and the fauna are different. Um, The scale certainly is different, but there's still a peace and an excitement that you can feel um, anytime you're in the mountains, I feel. Amen. Thank you so much, Erin, for helping us tell this awesome, epic story. We've just wanted to share this and get it out for our kids to hear. And just, this was the 
one of the biggest adventures that I think got our friendship going in a crazy adventure way. Like after that, we came back and we were homeless for two months, three months, anyway, and living in a truck and just trying to live the simple life. Don't tell my mom. <laughs> anyway, that this trip like spun us into so many amazing adventures. Just, I feel like travel does that, you know, changing a perspective helps open your mind to what you can do. And even if you don't, like I didn't do it well, but Aaron, you did it fantastic. <laughs> even if you don't do it beautifully, it is still epic and still an amazing adventure, you know. So we wanted to give you an update on how Hunt did. He ended up going to Kathmandu and stayed there for a couple days and then had a great recovery. And they ended up taking him to the Annapurna Range, which is another mountain range nearby that's not as high. And he did fantastic, except that he told us they were hiking up there and were come upon by Maoist rebels. And he said he was not taken hostage, which he was excited, but they did give him a $25 ticket for being an American and asked them or asked him to check them out on their website. <laughs> <laughs> which we thought was hilarious. And Hunt ended up coming back to do Everspace Camp, I think at least one or two more times, and came back as a guide eventually. So he did make it to the top, and he's fantastic. He ended up being the mayor of Alpine, Utah, and is a, a wonderful guy. So thank you so much for coming and sharing that adventure with us. And we're so glad to have you guys here with us, all you listeners. And please feel free to subscribe and all that jazz. Check out the website at mountainmamas.org. Um, and um, we just love having you here and listening as well. And that's it for today's adventure. And join us next time. And as always, remember, a woman's place is in the mountains.